1: Well, hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to the Forbes Factor right here. Uh, And you know what? If you cannot see me, I'm actually in a hotel lobby, and uh, there'll be a little background noise, and I apologize about that. But I just want to share with you that no matter where in the world I am, I promise to be bringing you shows, amazing guests, and today is no exception. I have got Amber Lago, who I'm very excited to meet. She is a transformational and wellness coach, one of the best. She's been on NBC, uh, the Today Show, and she is everywhere living out here. in, uh, She's a Texan who's living in California. I've got Jeremy Rodra. He's a best-selling author, Kung Fu Master, and one of my favorite guys. And then, of course, the one, the only, Miss Danette May. You are going to be uh, blown away by today's Show. So here's why I'm where I am. Uh, I'm in two locations. I was in Los Angeles this week, and I hope you guys saw it on my Facebook but LA Style Magazine, edited by Trisha Vargas and Christine, um, really put together the top 100 power women, and graciously they included me in my story. Uh, they included some of my friends. I invited Carrie Ann and Naba from Dancing with the Stars to join us, and she is gracing the cover along with Ms. Vivica A. Fox from Universal Soldier and all the things that the rock star, movie star, and TV star Vivica does, and there were 97 other women. And I will tell you, it was one of those amazing events. If you get to see the photos all over my Facebook, we were at Greystone Mansion, which is literally Greystone is the name that uh, the Tarzan movie called their mansion, and it sits high in the Hollywood Hills. It's on probably ten acres of massive real estate. It's actually a national park because it, it's just so it would be so historic and horrible to tear that down for condos, you know. So I was very gracious to be the keynote speaker there, along with the mayor of Costa Mesa. And I only had a few short minutes, but I will tell you, in that time, the power of what I'm up to, what we're up to, the people who share my, my vision and my mission of women being strong, being in power, you know, is quite disheartening. The gentleman who got to speak right before me, he was talking about women in power, but he said things like, you know, women really deserve as much pay as men and women did it as much men. And I thought, you know, when I get up there, I'm like, let's stop the comparison about us to men. There is no comparison. Men are men. Women are women. Should we all be paid the same? Absolutely. Should women be paid more? Absolutely. I mean, I can go down all those arguments, and I don't want to get on my pulpit, but, you know, if you push me, I will. And we just had the most remarkable conversation about women coming into their own in this time. Uh, if you are watching the news and you heard the, uh, the apparent suicide by the sex offender billionaire who thought it was okay to bring underage girls to his room Uh, brought a lot of politicians there and a lot of people that he could have done some harm to. We have a real issue with girls being hurt, being abused, being used. And so part of the joy of having a platform and standing up for just women in general has been very profound. That is not the basis of Forbes Factor, however. My Forbes Factor radio show and podcast, which you need to find and subscribe to on iTunes, focuses on health, wealth, and happiness. And I have spent most of my life trying to figure out just how to be happy What does that mean? What does it mean to be successful? What does it mean to enjoy your life? What does it mean to not have guys doing cutlery behind you? I may have found the wrong place in the hotel and I may have to move for my next block because it's getting loud for even me. So I'm here in LA. Today, as soon as I leave you guys, I am having the amazing honor, I'm gonna drive up to Elaine Lalane's house. And for those of you who remember Jack Lalane, God bless you. For those of you who don't, shame on you. Please look him up. This man is the guy who invented health and fitness. And, uh, and now where I am, the woman is actually telling me that I think it's going to become a buffet and I need to move. This is going to be crazy. So I'm going to ask my engineering team to do, if they would, is to maybe make my first break about, I don't know, two minutes from now, because I actually need to leave this arena. It looked very open and very spacious about five minutes ago, but I think I'm sitting at the buffet table. Go figure, because then I'm driving up to Sacramento because I'm the keynote speaker there tomorrow. So, my guys, can I get a quick break here? You're listening to Forbes Riley right here on The Forbes Factor. We'll be right back.
0: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Channel.
2: Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives, with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion guests and your questions being featured our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement inspiration and practical steps to support them on their journey empowering women transforming lives can be heard live every thursday at 11 a.m pacific time 2 p.m eastern time on the voice america influencers channel and join us for a replay of the show on wednesday at 2 p.m pacific time 5 p.m eastern time on the voice america empowerment channel
0: Now back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley.
1: Hey, you guys. It is Forbes Riley. And if I sound a little crazy, a little tinny, I'm actually sitting in a hotel lobby at the airport in Los Angeles. Hey, where in the world is Forbes? And as every busy working entrepreneur knows, not everything goes exactly the way you want it. It's about how do you go with the flow? Remember, life happens for you, not to you. You deal with the obstacles. You smile your way through them. And that is so describing my next guest. I can see her grinning from ear to ear. I want to... Introduce you to Amberly Lago, who is also a busy working mom of two. She's a transformational expert. She tells me she's out to change the world. And you may have to talk a little bit more for me because my sound in this lobby is crazy,
3: girl. How are you? (laughs) Hi, I'm good. I'm so happy to see you. And I, you know what? You are going with the flow and making it happen. And I love that.
1: Let me tell you something. This is what life is about. You know, I am the queen of spontaneity. I wish that, I don't wish that I was just sitting in my studio. That would be very boring. I'm in between getting a huge award for LA Style Magazine. I'm going to go hang out with Elaine's widow up in about three hours and have dinner with her. And then I'm going to speak in Sacramento. And if this is what it takes to change the world and you as an audience need to see this, it is not all glamorous red carpet. I would love to say it was. I did three red carpets this week and girl, I look great. But in between all that, there's coronas in my hair, there's lipstick in my teeth, there's eyelashes that won't stay
3: on. (laughs) Oh my gosh, and I can't tell you how good it feels too. I was rushing around and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I have to try to do my hair. So the front part of my hair is kind of curled and the back is kind of an afro, but you know, we just do what we have to do and we're here and I'm grateful to be here with you. And by the way, this is stuff that
1: men don't have to deal with. They do not understand the eyelashes, the makeup, the one hour it takes. It is why Gary Vee and Tony Robbins and, uh, you know, Ty Lopez are more successful. It's the 365 <laughs> hours a year they have that we don't. That's not including the manager, the pedicure, the waxing. Oh, my gosh. And then, of course, we're also mom.
3: Okay? Yes. All right. So <laughs> and you know, it was the first day of school today for my girl. So it was a big day getting her on that bus. Well, all right.
1: I'm going to share something with my audience, too. It is the first day of school for my kids today, too. They're juniors, and I'm not there. Oh. And I will tell you that my heart's a little broken, but I cannot succumb to the fact that mommy leads her life and pays the bills. And we kind of have an arrangement because I'm not going to sit here today and feel guilty. I wanted to be there so bad. I shopped online for the backpacks with my daughter. I was there as much as I could, but that is one of the big things about being a mom. So tell us a little bit about you, if you would, my darling, and let's inspire people out of their minds. Oh,
3: yeah. Well, being a mom is the best thing that's ever happened to me because I've been, well, I've been active, and I was a professional dancer, and I was, and I've been in the fitness industry for 22 years, and my whole life was fitness, and after a horrific accident, you know, we've all had experienced trauma in our lives, and, and I was able to deal with it pretty well, but after I was hit by an SUV while riding my motorcycle, I think the thing that pulled me out of that was my children, because I wanted to set an example for them. I wanted to be not just a good mom, but I wanted to show them that you can persevere no matter what. And for me, that took 34 surgeries to save my leg from amputation, months in the hospital. It has taken... Um, really years to dig deep and find the tools to strengthen my resilience. And to this day, you know, now my oldest daughter is about to go to medical school and my youngest daughter, Um, is following kind of in my footsteps of running, and she loves to run. I mean, I don't know what other kid is like. The other day we were sitting around and she said, Mom, I'm so bored. I want to do something fun. Can we go for a run? And my first reaction was I started to go into that little pity party because I can't run the way I used to. And then I thought, you know what? I can ride my bicycle beside her. And so we got out the door, I rode my bike and she ran and it just brings me such joy. And so I know as a working mom, it's hard, that balancing act between working and being on the road and then feeling like you want to be there for their kids is the hardest thing. But it's also the most beautiful thing being a mom and people ask me, what is your biggest inspiration? And my kids are my biggest inspiration.
1: Well, so let me let me backtrack a little bit because I'm going to take a personal side note here. My fiance has his motorcycle, loves to ride it. My cousin, when I was a little girl, was on the back of one and she lost her leg and I was terrified of them and I tell my kids not to. And yet I watched the man that I love ride a bike who's very confident. He's amazing. But what happened to you? Was it your fault or not?
3: No, I was on my way home from work. And you know what? Most of the time when you're on a motorcycle, I would say almost all the time it's not your fault because cars don't see you. Even though I had my hot pink Lulu lemon jacket on, I was only going about 20 miles an hour. There was an SUV that was in a hurry and punched it out of a driveway. I got T-boned. I didn't have time to do anything except for try to jump, let go of the throttle and jump off my bike. My leg was crushed and I was thrown 30 feet. And, you know, I've ridden motorcycles my whole life. And as a motorcyclist, you learn to drive defensively. So you look out for the other people, you try to make eye contact, but sometimes there is just no way around it. And there's a saying when, you know, it's not a matter of uh, if you're going down, it's a matter of when you're going down. And so, and look, I get it. My husband was a CHP. He was a, a Lieutenant Highway Patrol and he rode a bike for a living and he still has a Texas chopper down in the garage, but he, after my accident, kind of lost the confidence to ride because he saw what all I went through. So I miss it, but especially in LA, it's just kind of crazy because people, Or on their phones, they're texting and they don't see you. And so, in the blink of an eye, my whole life was changed.
1: Well, and so that just breaks my heart. That my first thing, just because he still insists on riding his bike, and I just I can't imagine losing him. And I we we, and here's the funny thing for him though, he lost his dad and he lost his stepdad and his best friend in car accident. So his conversation is, "Look, it's going to happen. It's going to happen." Okay. So, but let me let's talk about your resilience to get back. Okay. What What do you do in the health and wellness area in the health and fitness arena?
3: Well, I was nationally recognized as a fitness coach. I used to train all like fitness competitors, boxers, people that wanted to be CHP officers, and that that transitioned once I had my accident and I kind of reinvented myself, that transitioned into more coaching people how to get through um, just life's challenges, whether they're heavy hearted or they're going through some sort of trauma or emotion or a physical trauma, Um, I now coach people on how to do that. I have a word, a keyword that I use every day, and it's called PACER. And it stands for Perspective, Acceptance, Community, Endurance, and Rest and if i'm not doing all of those things throughout the day then i'm not going to be my me- best self and and you know now my husband will even like call me out on it he will be like where's the r and pacer amberly you're not resting or he's like if i get down or he can see that i'm being really hard on myself he's like where's the perspective like you're not shifting your perspective and so sometimes i feel like We need those around us to remind us of, you know, when we aren't being our best, how can we tap into that? So I'm passionate about sharing this tool with others because. It took me years to find out what was it? What was it I was doing every day that allowed me to get up and do the things I love, to be take part in my kids' lives and to still work? I mean, I was told I'd be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. Okay, so I'm, I'm loving this
1: story. If you are lucky enough to be seeing Amberlee's face right now, she is stunningly beautiful. She's amazing look- no, And, I, and I, I love the platform line. I can look at you talking because you look like you have it all together which I know on some days you don't like the rest of us. But what I really, I want you to tell people what the pace of words means one more time. And I really want you from the depth of your soul to share when there are moments when you didn't want to get out of bed after 37 surgeries, you thought why, you know, your down moment, what was it that other people can use that pulled you through?
3: Oh, I was at the point where I did not want to continue living. And that was not me. I was just too scared to die. So I knew I had to do something and we, I felt like there was just, I feel like we all have this spark within us or this light within us. And I'm telling you, mine was barely flickering and there was just a little bit of light left and that light allowed me, I, man, I got on my knees and I prayed and I reached out for help because I tried doing it alone and it didn't work. And I think that when you're in any kind of pain, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain, for me anyway, I isolated. And my world went from being so big to getting smaller and smaller and smaller because I didn't want to admit to anybody how bad I was hurting. And it took a lot of courage to reach out and admit because You know, I grew up in Texas where it was all about cowgirl up and suck it up. And, you know, sucking it up did help me get through some of the surgeries. But then I got to the point where I couldn't suck it up anymore. I couldn't deal with all of the pain. And that's what drove me to my darkest Part. I mean, I was trying everything for the pain, Eastern, Western medicine. Here's what, here's what
1: I want my audience to listen to is I want you to hear because this is the thing that nobody talks about. And, Jeremy, I want to welcome you to the show. I know you can guys see us. I'll introduce you in a minute. Um, this is the thing that most people need to hear more than anything. Because there was a time in the 60s, 70s, and 80s where we all looked at each other, like you said, I mean, the whole Charlie's Angels, you're absolutely perfect. There's no way you ever get out of bed without your face smudged. And I think our mission now as women of this age who are mothers and are wives and are beautiful to go, look, the darkest, deepest, you need to understand we go through them, number one. We have had to get through them, number two. There are tools and that you do need to reach out. That was my biggest issue in life was I was afraid to ask for help, but I thought mm-hmm. it made me look weak. Well, guess what? I love you so much right now. I've just met you, but you are a sister from every fiber of my being no. because your message right now is what needs to resonate. There are people going through caretaking their families. They're losing their own career, their own identity. i like, what about me? And the problem is most of us ask that. Why me? Why me? My question has to be, why not you? If you're only given what you can handle, well, guess what? You must be, must be
3: an amazing person to go through some of what you did, girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I think we heal and then we share the tools that work for us with others. And so I don't think anything that I've had people say, well, would you take it all back if you could? And and I really wouldn't because it has made me into the person that I am today. And now the best part about my whole journey is I've been able to share these tools and people have told me, look, I was diagnosed with the same nerve disease as you and I had given up." on life and because I see you doing things that you love and having a big life um, I'm gonna do it and I think that if we reach out to one another and share what we know and what works for us that's how we build our community and is powerful we like to say
1: don't let your pain go wasted now I'm going to introduce my next guest not that he is a pain but if you're a martial <laughs> artist you spend a lot of time in pain I am a, a I'm a Kung Fu master I am a Taekwondo Wing Chun and Aikido and I will tell you, my body pays the price for some of those things. Please welcome right now, he's a best selling author. He is a Kung Fu master and a Pan American champion, Mr. Jeremy Rodbrook. Give him a big round of applause.
4: Woo-hoo. Hey, Jeremy, how are you? I am fantastic. How are you doing?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, I'm in a hotel lobby on the road between getting an award for LA Style Magazine and going up to be a speaker in Sacramento. And I'm doing the very best I can with people all around me. And uh, that should be the least of <laughs> my issues. So I would like you to meet Amberly. You heard a little bit about her story. Tell us, tell us who you are and what you're most passionate
4: about. Uh, well, I'm Jeremy, Kung Fu guy. And really, I'm most passionate about helping kids to really own their voice and speak up and be heard, be understood, and helping teachers and parents to foster that environment and having the tools to make that happen.
1: Now, I do a thing called Forbes Factor, and I transform a lot of people out of whatever pain they're in, especially now that I've done about 10,000 students, I did not know this, the level of abuse, neglect, and pain that most children are in. And when those children grow up to be adults, those are the ones that you don't like, you don't trust, you don't know why. It's because on some level, they're suffering. You went through some pretty dramatic stuff. Will you share that with us?
4: Uh, Yes, ma'am. When I was um, five, I was in Saudi Arabia and I went out past the security gates and I was playing and something unfortunate happened with one of the young security guards. And then when we came back to the States, I didn't tell my parents. I made made me wrong, not the situation, not him, because that's what little kids do. They don't know how to disassociate. So not this is wrong. They say I'm wrong and they have to hide and they have to do all these things. But then when we came back to the United States a couple of kids up the street, I got abused again. Um, And that was kind of a a shifting point where I had to hide who I was. I was constantly running a place of survival. And if you've ever played tic-tac-toe with a seven-year-old who unconsciously thinks he's going to die if he loses, The level of intensity I brought to things was just too much and I scared people. So I had to learn to pull back and I had to hide and I had to figure out what's going on and how do I interface. So I became very analytical. I was very good at mimicking things and very intellectual, but emotionally I was just not in a great place. Fortunately, I had started to build empathy. So I still had a protective instinct because some people, if they shift from child to teen before they're ready, that's where we can get sociopaths. That's where we can get really dangerous, dangerous behavior, and and we don't even notice that it's happening.
1: Well, and I will tell you, with all the crazy stuff that we see happening in the world today, mostly young men, I think the problem is that we do not see this and that we cover it up. And I'm sure you're a great master covering it up like most of the people that I've met, but then it explodes in some other odd way. What might be the signs for seeing somebody who you think is normal? Again, you didn't do anything wrong. You may Mm -hmm. not have told anybody, but you knew there was a little firecracker inside of you, didn't you?
4: Yes, absolutely. So what you'll see, when whenever you notice um, drastic changes in behavior, for little kids, when they can function on two levels, they understand explicit and implicit, that's actually a teenage process, not a child process. Little kids are literal. So if you've got somebody who can pop up to a higher level and they can understand implicit, explicit communication, that's a teenager, not a child. Doesn't matter how old they are. If they can understand and make puns and things like that, if they... Um, they don't, they don't take positional authority because I said so. They always need something more. They always push back. That can be a very intelligent, inquisitive person, but that could be signs of damage. So there's things that I do, like I talk about feeling warm, big, and happy versus small, sad, cold. And if they feel they deserve to feel small, sad, and cold, that's a warning sign. It's like, dude, what's going on that, that you feel like you should be punished or you feel like you, know, you should be unhappy? You deserve that. So you'll start to notice those stories, those languages, they play the poor me game and, and they get like rage like huge amounts of energy just like out of nowhere where'd that come from why are you exploding and so when you see those kinds of signs it's not something to say like hey what happened to you did someone touch you you don't want to go directly into it you kind of want to dance around it to kind of pull out are they behaving more like a teenager or more like a child And then you need to get some professional help because that can be a very explosive situation because you don't know what triggered them. You don't know who. You don't know how they switch gears. So it could have been some form of abuse. It could have been death of a family member or a pet. It could have been a move that meant something to them. And, and, you know, we had to move locations. I lost my friends. I lost that kind of stuff. All of those things can shift a child away from being a a child to being a teenager. And if they're not emotionally ready for that, it's a huge problem. And a lot of parents just don't realize because they're thinking, oh, this kid's being oppositional, they're being disrespectful. No, that's not the case. They're just they're focused in a certain area and they're running a story and they're unconscious that they don't know they have.
1: Jimmy, I'm to ask you a question. Have you ever thought to create a test for this or something that goes into a school? Because what you keyed into is something I've actually never thought of consciously, because I deal with an insane amount of broken adults. Mm -hmm. And it, and I have this thing, I talk to them, ask what their first memory is, what decision they make about life. And I've uncovered so much, but there's never been a tool to uncover, to literally, like you said, deal with it. I mean, and I'll tell you, so it's, it's as simple as one of my girls, her brother put himself inside of her mouth. We'll just say that when he was nine and she was five, mom didn't believe it. And I will tell you that one act one time, which as an adult, you're like, okay, but for a kid, it traumatized this young woman that she doesn't function. That there was no mechanism for her after she told her mom who didn't believe her. She's stuck with all of this. And I'm wondering if there is some sort of test that you get. I don't remember a psychology test in school, but some standardized something that doesn't look like you're probing, but that you at least can identify because of all the things I've heard lately. And I've been involved in three shootings in my life. A boy that I raised was murdered. My ex-husband's best friend was murdered. I was the eyewitness to the Las Vegas shooting. I am now seeing firsthand how this country is exploding. And I'm going to tell you that part of it is that nobody's looking at nor can they, especially if the, if the suspect is killed, understand that that might in fact have happened so many years ago that we're not looking for it.
4: Yeah, there's, there's all these Yeah, there's all these correlating factors. There's all these things that come together. And that's the thing right now. A lot of the buzz is, you know, what's the problem? Let's fix the problem. But they're going back and forth on two sides. You have to elevate. And correlation, you know, is not causation. So there's lots of things that come together. And I could have gone a very bad direction. I didn't. Why? Because I had empathy. Because I cared about other people. I wanted to protect and keep anybody else from experiencing what I experienced. So when you ask about, is there a test? I actually have. When I, do an, 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 uh, when I do an intake with my martial arts school, I have a series of questions that I go through and each one is a little springboard. I'm doing trial balloons of how someone's processing language, How are they? where's their body language, how are they learning, communicating. And it's a series of some, a couple of little questions that begin to help me understand, am I dealing with a child? Or am I dealing with a teenager? And I can give you the first step. It's super easy. Shoulders back, head up, nice and tall, say, I feel terrible. And then, you know, how does that feel? Does that work or does it feel weird? Should work. Then you collapse down, you go kyphotic, put your chin in a hole, look down at the floor, and you say, I feel wonderful, and how do you feel? You feel kind of smushed down, yeah, me too. And then shoulders back, head up, say, I feel wonderful. Out of those three, which goes together the best? A, I feel terrible, B, I feel wonderful, or C, I feel wonderful? And your answer is? And then oh, whatever wow. they say. Because I'll ask you, and if you tell me C, I'll say, fantastic, you speak Spanish. And that right there is a test. Because if I have a little kid laugh at that joke, that's not a little kid that's a teenager because little kids, uh-huh. I've done this with bilingual kids and they go, "See, si, yes, yes, see, si, Spanish, yes. Because they know they speak Spanish. They're literal. Teenagers in their mind, they'll laugh at that joke. Even if it's a corn joke, they'll be like, oh yeah, okay. Like they'll laugh in some way. And that triggers to me, we're ticking towards that teenage brain. And also I ask them which one they like best. If they tell me that warm or small, sad, cold squished down, that feels best to them. Again, that's another sin- sign. It's like, we're not going a good direction. So that's the first thing I do is I establish positive energy, negative energy. Do you feel warm, big, and happy, or do you feel small, sad, and cold? And then I get consent. Is it okay? I say, me too. You know, I feel warm, big, and happy. Me too. Can we work on that together? Thank you, high five. So I establish wow. that as a baseline and consent to then move into other things because even at four and five years old, I'm teaching no one has a right to touch without your permission. It's your body. I will ask my students before I move them or adjust them, I say, I'm going to touch your elbow. Is that okay? I'm going to lift your elbows up. Hey, can you tuck your elbows in? Let me help you. So I'm constantly using a language pattern and I teach it to the parents. We've got to help these kids assert their boundaries because they need to be the boss of their body. And if they're not comfortable, we need to stop and go, wait a minute. Why are you uncomfortable? It's okay. You're uncomfortable. What can we change? What can we do different? I have equipment that people can train on without touching other people because they're not comfortable having people crawl around on them. I respect that. And- at a certain point, we got to get over that because a bad guy is not going to care, and we got to learn how to shut down bad guys. But if you're not comfortable, let's get you comfortable what's it going to take, and we'll deconstruct that.
3: Amberly, uh-huh. what are you thinking about as you're listening to this? Well, this is really hitting home, and I wish that we had something like this when I was growing up because um, I was sexually abused as a child, and my little brother was abused. I had tools of my athleticism and empathy and chose to rise above it and you know and and thrive despite the situation my little brother didn't he's sitting on death row now and he committed a crime and he's on death row in Texas And so I don't think that it's necessarily we're a victim of our circumstances. I think that we are a product of our resiliency. And I think that if we had some sort of way, like what you're doing and able to talk to children and find out, um, I was fortunate that my mom did believe me when I told her and my stepfather never never denied it, but I still carried around so much shame with me and I didn't even realize how much shame that I carried around until I went to write my book and I was writing my book about my experience of back and forth growing up in Texas, but mostly how to overcome trauma and I had not realized I hadn't even really processed all the trauma that I had gone through as a child until I wrote it in a book and it was cathartic. And so I think I love what you're doing. I love um, that you have a way of, of, just giving these children a voice, because when you are abused as a child, you feel like your voice doesn't matter. You do feel like the guilty one. You feel like there's something wrong with you or it's your fault. And I think that more people need to talk about this. And so I'm glad that you have set up this platform so we can share and let others know that, you know, that you can still have a life of joy, even if these things have happened to you, and a way to to see if something is happening. Like I am so aware of things with my children. and I didn't even realize that by the time they turned eight years old, I got like mama bear came out and it's because that's the age I was when I was abused. And so I, I love what you're doing and it's really hitting home, really hitting home.
1: I, I think the problem is that we do not, again, now that I'm an adult doing this kind of work and uncovering this, the amount, the, the 80 to 90% of people who have been abused on some level mm-hmm. is shocking and staggering. And you'd look at you and you'd never realize it. And your brother ended up where he did because of that. You know, and I talk about, I talk about that it, it's a lot about how the decisions you make about life. It doesn't actually matter what happened to you. And I love that you two are an example of this. So I've got two clients. One falls out of a tree, breaks his leg, parents aren't around, strangers rushing to the hospital. He's like, oh my God, strangers will always help us. He becomes a social worker. Other kid falls out of a tree, breaks his leg. Mom and dad are not there. And he's angry. God, they're never there for me. They hate me. They think I'm worthless. And he becomes someone like your brother. Not necessarily what happened, because you guys were two different, same circumstance, two different outcomes. Mm -hmm. But so that I completely understand. But Jeremy, I've never thought to create a test or an environment or promote you to do it just because... Everybody sitting in school right now, today is day number one. How many of those did not have the summer like my kids did? I don't even know right. what may or may not have happened. My daughter hates getting shots at the doctor. I'm going to tell you, I think it's because her first pediatrician was in fact a creepy guy. And I will tell you, they actually touch babies. You have to, I was in the room, but it, it somehow registered differently. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we, how do we protect our children and give them tools? And you may be on a little on the path of something.
4: I am. I am. I absolutely am. And and to to go to your point, the people falling out of the tree, that's the power of story. Because a lot of the work I do, it's about games, which is your behavior. And then the story is the justification. Mm -hmm. And if you can change someone's story, you change the meaning they give to an experience, you can begin to change the games literally instantaneous. Mm -hmm. Because they realize, wait, I can get more energy this way easier. I had a a 12-year-old in tears almost, and I had his mom twice in tears, this idea, wait, you could do this and help mom feel warm, big, and happy first, and then she has that to share with you second. And that was like a light bulb moment for her. For him, he's like, "Wait, I could do what?" And mom's in tears because, like, she's been trying to drive into him about be nice, do this, this. But she language[s] it from what I call positional authority: you should be good because it's you should be good. Versus, well, here's how it benefits you, and oh, by the way, it benefits everyone else too.
1: Well, okay, so Amberly and I didn't take the glass on being a mom. I will tell you, I created some techniques, but it breaks my heart when I see you know, mom's running after you going, no, 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 no. I'm like, oh my gosh, you have no idea the ramifications of just your behavior right now, trying mm-hmm. to be a good mom, but yeah. you're actually messing it up. We actually oh, have yeah, about yeah. 60 seconds to break. Uh, when we come back, I hope you guys will both join me. This is a fascinating Absolutely. conversation that went a little differently than I thought, but I will tell you, that's what this show is about. I keep it as spontaneous because we get to truths. It, and I taught somebody yesterday about how to listen in an interview. Listen to what's saying and be mindful of the conversation that we're doing here is way better than my pre-scripted questions. (laughs) All right. So like I said, if you guys are listening to me, I may sound a little tinny. I apologize. I'm coming to you from a lobby outside the airport at uh, LAX the best that I could do, but we're here and I wouldn't have missed this conversation for anything. Don't go away. You're listening to Forbes Riley and friends right here on the Forbes factor. We'll be right back.
0: Team. There's never been another product like the Forbes Riley Spin Gym. So try it risk-free for 30 days. Visit buyspingym.com today. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sofia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power, too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel.
2: Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Forbes Factor. We're at the end of August. And I have to tell you, if you're listening to my voice and it sounds a little crazy or watching this, yes, I'm in a lobby right outside of LAX getting ready to go north to Sacramento. Uh, you're going to love this, my guys in fitness, but I'm going to go have dinner with Elaine Lelane, Jack's widow, who is 93 years old. Yesterday, this amazing woman posted a picture of her in Los Angeles working out with Mark Wahlberg and Mario Lopez at their new studio. <laughs> I got to tell you. Tell you, I didn't get invited. She's 93, and I'm thinking, girlfriend, whatever it is that you're drinking, I want it. Oh, yeah, you're drinking juice. I know you are. Because together, we actually sold a billion dollars worth of juicers. So I feel like I am just the the heir apparent to amazing greatness. Every week, I bring you Forbes Factor. Some days, I'm not in the studio. A couple weeks ago, I was actually sitting in a squash court at L.A. Fitness. That was crazy, but they had good Wi-Fi. All right. So I want to introduce you. We were just now joined by Danette May, but what you missed, if you haven't heard this, you're going to go back and listen to this on iTunes podcast. is it was Amberly Lago, who on the surface looks like the perfect, beautiful Texan. She does. And why do I say that with some sense of prejudice? Because when I was Miss Teenage New York in the Miss Teenage America pageant, Miss Dallas, Texas, Becky Reed beat me. For years, I hated Dallas. Just hated. You guys were perfect. You were blonde. You had. I had no manners. I had no education of being a girl. I did the best I could, and I was talking like this. All right. So I was made fun of a lot, and because I was made fun of, I became who I am. You were definitely. (laughs) So, Amberly, I love you. Anyway. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) But then this beautiful woman on the surface, and you guys gotta tune into Facebook. See her hair on the back. It's all mushy and ratty because she only had time to do the front. And she admitted that, and that's what I love. And she's admitted <laughs> some of the crazy things about the 34 accident, or 34 surgeries she's been through since a motorcycle accident. And she's still pulling it together here. You guys have no excuse not to be here. Jeremy Roderick joined us. He is a martial arts amazing expert who has actually devised a system to help us understand as kids if you've been abused, if you've been hurt, if you think you're playing small, and how that limits you as an adult. He has been amazing dropping serious bombs miss dinette may who i'm a huge fan of on social media this woman is a number one speaker best selling author she's in the fitness arena if you've ever seen her online she's amazing and now she's joining us and i'm not she's going what
2: (laughs) i've just been told to hold on to my bootstraps, so i'm ready (laughs) hey hey where are you calling us from i'm in colorado up in the mountains oh good
1: all right so very briefly we all know who everyone else is introduce yourself tell us what you're up to and what inspires you
2: Wow, what a great question. What is inspiring me right now is this desire that the human nature has to rise up into their fullest, truest expression. And I think everybody on this show is exemplifying that. Just you, even going, saying, Elaine, Elaine. Everybody just stepping into their truest, truest passions and their fullest expression. It really inspires me. And I am up to a lot. I just started a superfood company and. I am putting out three new products this next month and I'm just super excited to bring these superfoods out to the world.
1: I love that. Well, thank you for having such an interest in health and fitness. Um, Mr. Jeremy, I do want to wrap up and just make sure that we've got a way to get in touch with you and just tell people, you're going to say part of the conversation, but I just want to kind of put a little button on you. Um, With regard to all that you're teaching in the martial arts world and the self-help world, how do we find you and what are you teaching that people can connect with you?
4: Um, I'm actually developing an online course. It's going to be an eight week transformation for families and it's digital so they can get it easily. Um, the place to stay ahead of, uh, on touch with me is either going to be at the parenting or go to uh, facebook.com slash Jeremy Roadrook um, Those are the two best places to find me.
1: I love that. Amberly. how are we finding you?
3: Oh yeah. Please reach out and connect with me at amberlylogo.com, And you can find me on Instagram at Amberlee motivation and you can check out my link in my bio and grab my book there or coaching or anything and see future speaking events.
1: And for the three of you, do me a favor because you all need to know what this is. And if you want one, you're going to leave me your phone and mailing address at ForbesRiley at Gmail because this is how I revolutionize the world. Uh, Nobody should ever be anywhere without a spin gym. And I'm happy to continue to share this message. It's been nine years. We've sold two million of them. I'm on the way to sell 22 million. So every time you get a superfood from Danette, you go, hmm. (laughs) <laughs> All right. So do, do me a favor. Everybody in my audience, my world kind of knows how I started. Somebody coming into the health and wellness world, the fitness world, what was your path and how did you reach the level of success that you have?
2: You know, I believe every one of us has a refiner's fire and that's actually where our gift lies. And my path was formed from my refiner's fire. So I was a fitness professional. I was training people in my town and I thought I knew it all. I was teaching about reduced fat wheat thins and soy milk and, and working out to get rid of depression. And then I ran into my refiner's fire. I had lost my son at childbirth. And then I went through a really horrific divorce and found myself with $47 single mom, sold all my furniture, and it was in my rock bottom in my refiner's fire that I really started to understand the power of movement to heal me because I went into a massive depression after my son passed away. I'd never experienced any of that before, so it was an awakening for me, and I really started experimenting with superfoods because my brain was foggy. I was rattling with depression, trying to be a single mom at the time, and really just Pull my bootstraps on, just like you just said. And it was in that downfall that my message came, and I really realized that I could not be the only woman in the world that was dealing with like lack of confidence, questioning her life, um, low on energy, feeling lost. And so I started experimenting. Started with just a few people sharing the message of what was transforming me. They were transforming, and then I just had a big mission to bring it out to the millions. And that's when I started going online and. And now we've reached over 500 million households on Facebook. We were at Facebook headquarters, and they were like, you've reached over 500 million organic households.
1: Well, that is profound. Happy to connect to you as well and, uh, and amazed. But as an audience, one of the things I need you all to hear um, is I'm looking at beautiful people on my screen, and I'm hearing rock-bottom, horrible stories. And I think the most profound message right now is, One of the things that we don't really do, especially as women, enough, and I'm on a crazy path to do this, if I knew the two of you when I was eight years old, I wouldn't have talked to you, specifically because the two of you have blonde hair. You're both pretty. It's parted in the middle. No, no, you look like Marsha Brady to me, and I was so ugly. I had a broken nose and frizzy hair and braces and zero self-confidence, and I thought that you were better than me because you looked the way you did. As I've gotten older, and I share this with audiences, I said, there's not a single woman I would ever trade places with, because we have all been through stuff, and when you look at somebody who's beautiful, you actually cherish the fact that they can even get out of bed, because you do not know what keeps them from that. Mm-hmm. My daughter, who speaks a lot with me, she's 16 years old, she said to me years ago, Mom, I don't get it. How come every speaker I hear had to live in their apartment, they had something wrong with them, blah, blah, blah. I said, because the, the, the those chosen few who've got a silver spoon and a trust fund are living on an island, and they have no need to help other people, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're on a mission because I don't think we want anyone else to suffer the way we did. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And whether it is mind food or superfoods or things that really get you. I love life right now because now I know also I'm not the only one who's been through this amazing journey, who spent time doing research on herbs and plants and Eastern medicine and and crazy philosophies and ways to work out because it is different than that, isn't it? Than what we were told when we were younger. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And it's been a big mission of mine. I go into indigenous tribes all the time because I really want to take this ancient form of living and bring it to our modern world. There are secrets hidden in these tribes all around the world that will help us with anxiety, depression, this sense of like comparison that we tend to have in our modern world that these tribes don't actually carry around. Some tribes don't even know the word jealousy. And can we take these wisdoms and bring it into our modern world? I
1: love that. Jeremy, if you were going to ask Jeanette a question right now, what would it be?
4: What would you say is the most important thing for kids under 12 to do for their mental and emotional, physical health?
2: Well, that's a great question. Um, I could talk about the standard stuff, but if I was speaking to my daughters, because I do have a daughter that's 11 and I have a daughter that's 16, and my greatest message to them is to really work on their mind. Um, I, I definitely tell them what to put in their bodies and I tell them about exercise, but I tell them that their mind is always keeping them safe. And can they step into understanding the mind is doing that and still step into the fear anyway? And I actually really try to challenge myself not to keep them from the pain. Because we're trying to keep so many people from pain when I think pain is your power. And that's where transformation can happen. And that's where breakthroughs and true character is built. And so I try to teach that to everyone who's young.
3: Oh, I love that. Um, I have to say this morning, I was my daughter's first time on the bus. And um, I drove away, I see she's safe on the bus, and I get a text message from her. Help, mom. I'm in trouble. I forgot my badge for school. And so my first response was, oh, my gosh, I have to run home, get her badge. I'm going to be late for work and this and that. And then I thought, no, I shared with her, no, you're going to be okay you'll be fine. This is your first day. They'll understand. And I thought, well, if I go do that for her, I'm going to be rescuing her. She needs to know she forgot it. She's going to learn that she will never forget that badge again after today.
1: (laughs) I did that to my children not long ago. I literally, I couldn't rescue them. And I said, you know what? It was to my son in his football gear. I said, you know what? You forgot it. And I can't, I'm not going to rescue you. Yeah. I, I said, I'll be there for all the things that you need. And sometimes
3: I do, but as a mom, doesn't that, isn't that hard to do? Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard, <laughs> but they have to learn. It's a valuable lesson.
4: Well, yeah. Can I offer you a frame? What? Can I, can I offer you a frame around that? Yeah. Go for it. Next time your kids forget something and they want you to come rescue them say, do you want me to wipe your butt too? Next time next <laughs> you go, I'll have the toilet paper. And they're like, Mom, no. Well, actually, okay, daughter, I'm not going either. Hang on.
1: You haven't met my daughter. She's like, Mom, if you want. That's, that's my her. daughter that's too. Well. She'd be like, yeah, Mom, go yeah.
2: ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, Danette. Unfortunately, we're going to be running out of time soon. Make sure you guys email me your your name, your phone number, and your hard mailing address. Danette, um, uh, share with us one of the many things. I know you're up to superfoods. Tell me why the nutrition, especially if we're starting day number one, can affect kids in such a profound way.
2: Well, it affects their brains, it affects their gut health, which we all know is our second brain. It affects anxiety, so this is what makes me so sad, is little kids don't have a choice at times of what gets put into their home, because they don't drive to the grocery store, what goes in their lunch, and they're sitting at these desks, and they're being asked to be into their fullest expression. They're asked to be on top of their game, and they're loaded with sugar, which completely creates this brain fog, and it completely creates this like chaotic feeling. And then they're getting reprimanded, sit still. Why are you not paying attention? Why don't you know? And I feel so bad for those kids. And so, It's like what we can do for them is one, reduce their sugar, reduce white sugar completely. And it doesn't mean that they can't have yummy foods. It doesn't mean you're a bad mom. If you're not giving those yummy treats, you can find alternatives. There's other ways to serve and love. But just remember, when we do that to them, it creates chaos in that chair for them. And it's so hard. And they start to build up stigmas around their behavior, who they are, their learning capacities. And it could be remedied just through the foods that we're giving them.
1: We can do an entire topic on this. And I'm sure, Jeremy, same thing when people, little kids come into your martial arts class because I was a martial artist. You've got to be ready to pound and really do, you know, work your best. We are not feeding any of us well enough. We do not wake up and squeeze fresh juice. Um, You know, it used to break my heart. My twins were little. And we go to a birthday party and you're served Cheetos and pizza and soda and then cake. And I looked at the mom going, help me understand this. What are you doing And I would always get yelled at. In fact, I was at a party not long ago when my daughter was really little. And a woman walks up to me and says, quote, unquote, Forbes, you are such a terrible mother. I can't believe you let your daughter, she can't have candy and cake at a party. Shame on you. I walked outside. My daughter's standing around at a a pinata. And all these kids are trying to give her candy. She's like, I don't want it. And I said, McKenna, come here for a second. Did I ever tell you that you can't have candy and cake? And she's like, no, mom. You told me I can have whatever I want. I just don't want it. So I blamed you. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> good girl giving them tools to cope with all right we're down to our final two minutes i cannot believe how fast this went jeremy leave me one thought for everyone to take this week and feel better about themselves go
4: you have a right to your own opinion your own emotions and you don't need to justify that to anyone
3: Mwah, i love you Lee. go you can have the life you've always imagined despite your circumstances with grit and grace
2: yeah dinette go I'm going to stick with my original message. Your pain is your power. Don't run from it. Don't shy from it. Don't be afraid of it. And don't be sad of it because it will fuel your character and help you rise into your expression.
1: If you're watching these beautiful people, I have to tell you, today was a very blessed show and it's what I personally needed to hear. It's why I do Forbes Factor. We're talking about rising above your pain, knowing that it's gonna happen. See, here's the thing. Good things and bad things happen to everybody in life. You will go through some massive tragedy. I have yet to meet a person who's lived a full life and not gone through stuff that you wouldn't trade ever. It's not what happens to you. It is how you choose to deal with it. That is what makes a person. And I will tell you, live your dreams. Don't be afraid to stumble because you will. But it is how you get up. And then I've learned recently how you reach out to friends. Stop being afraid of other people. Danette, are you here to help us?
2: Sure. Yes. We're all in this together. <laughs> but,
1: but I will tell you, people don't realize that. Jeremy, are you here to help us? Absolutely. Why?
4: Because it's what I was born to do.
3: Bingo. Amberly, are you here to help us? I am here to help and I hope that people are listening if they're struggling, that they will reach out to me because I want to be there. I'm here to be of service.
1: I am feeling so beautifully blessed. Uh, One of my goals is to continue to bring thought leaders together who can make a difference. And here's the thing. We are, in fact, changing the world. Every time we choose to use our voice and not play small, which is one of my biggest issues, you need to get over the past and rewrite your future. Let me hear what I just said. Don't let it just happen to you because it will, and you'll end up in the grave unfulfilled. Rewrite your future. Shift your past. Reach out for help. Stay connected, guys. My name is Forbes Riley. Forbes is in the magazine. Riley is in the good life. And you're listening to the Forbes Factor. We focus on health wealth and happiness. I will see you guys next week from my heart. Thank you.
0: Thank you for making the Forbes Factor an important part of your week. Be sure to join Forbes Riley again next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We'll see you again soon.